You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 95. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. You have reached another Local Maximum. We have an expert panel today, an expert panel of two. And this panel was inspired by a series of tweets that went out a couple months ago. So watch out what you tweet, folks. You may end up on the Local Maximum. Uh, Today's episode is sponsored by Manning Publishing, technical and education books to give a boost to your job skills in engineering. Just use the promo code podlocalmax19 at manning.com. So these tweets are about the inspiration that people get, get from video games. And as we've mentioned on the program previously, particularly Episode 7 with one of our panelists today. A lot of product inspiration comes from science fiction, but this is true for gaming as well, and so I wanted to have a quick discussion about that. Let me introduce the panel. In our penultimate spot, he's a network engineer who traveled from North Carolina this week to be on The Local Maximum and also an avid gamer. Craig Lorenzen, welcome to The Local Maximum. Glad to be here, Max. And in our golden chair today, he is the Foursquare founder, champion of Foursquare Labs, owner of the Kingston Stockade football team, or soccer team, and tech startup gamification grandmaster, Dennis Crowley. Welcome again, once again to The Local Maximum. An honor to be back on the show, Max. So I didn't know this existed. September 12th was National Video Games Day. That's why this came up. By the way, what is this trend for making a day for everything? Like I wake up and Alexa says, happy dish soap day. Did any of you get that? I, I've not heard the happy dish soap. No, day, I'm, I'm just making it up. But, yeah, but, that's, but things like that come that up. That is my favorite holiday, <laughs> dish soap day. <laughs> so uh, this this Twitter handle for the Bleacher Report, uh, which I checked into because I didn't, you know, I wanted to make sure they weren't crazy. It seems to be a sports journal that also co- covers video games. Asks for your tops in terms of video game inspirations. You two answered the call, and I thought this would be a fun discussion to have on the local maximum. First to you, Craig. I want to try to understand more fully the gaming space you once said, and I quote, there are gamers and there are gamers. Are you telling me that playing dots on my phone doesn't make me a gamer? There there is different levels of gamers. There are people who are more of the casual gamer who enjoy just getting out with their phone, you know, moving, crushing some candies, you know, that type type of stuff. But then there's like the like sort of, you might call them hardcore gamers, those who are into PC, they have the latest and greatest bleeding edge technology, and they just like... Everything about their lives is gaming. They watch actual, like, online plays of other people just to get their own new strats. So that's right. the difference I have there. Well, it's interesting because, Dennis, you know, you produce apps, but it sounds like you get more inspiration from some of the more, I don't know, hardcore games, if you want to put that that way, or full, full games. I don't know how we, how, how we want to say this. I think I'm kind of right in the middle of the spectrum, right? So, like... With two kids, I don't have the time to lose myself in like, you know, 40 hours of Red Dead Redemption. But I also don't find it super satisfying just to sit and play casual games. But I do, you know, like if I have a flight or something or just a couple hours to consume, I'll go into the new, not Breath of the Wild, but like the other, the, the new Zelda game that's kind of a remake of the Super Nintendo version. Like stuff there you can complete. of that Super Nintendo? Yeah, uh, yeah. Link yeah. to the Past? That Link was my past. favorite it's great. Zelda game. Yeah, yeah, and it's great as a remake. Yeah. But you can, you know, you can spend 10 hours over 10 weeks and have a, a satisfying experience with it. Okay, I want to bring up that Zelda in a minute, but Craig, you told me before that um, there were a number of games that led you actually to your career in computer networking, so I found that interesting. Uh, You mentioned 
Duke Nukem and Doom, I believe. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Those How are did... like the two specific ones. Yeah. yeah. How did they lead me to? Yeah, that, I don't see the connection there. So, I mean, back in the day, you know, you you bought, you had your NES or SNES. You just played games like at home alone or with a friend or a few friends. But then, like the later in the '90s, we got like Duke Nukem and Doom. And you'd get together with friends and actually plug your computers together and go ahead and womp on each other, just frag each other in gibs everywhere. And this, is, this brought me to the desire to actually put my own home network in, which I bought a little box from Linksys, and that included a little hub and two network cards. Back in the day, PCI cards. At least they weren't ISA cards. So I installed that in my own network, and that just, from there, it grew into my passion was networking and technology and led me to where I am today. Really cool. I mean, I know we've spent hours trying to get this game set up right. Um, and you actually spent a lot of time like uh, modding those games, if I remember correctly. I, I did spend a fair bit of time, a little bit too much time, or, or a lot too much time, depending on who you would ask. Uh, especially with like Fallout, I think I spent yeah. Fallout Three. I spent probably forty hours just trying to get all the mods installed that I wanted to actually <laughs> have a full experience. Yeah. If I don't know if we if we could actually post this, this might be too much. But I remember once you were making custom maps in Duke Nukem, and you made a map of the school, and I'm like, Craig, nope. no one can find out about this. <laughs> I mean, you've already brought it up, but yeah, this is right <laughs> around 99 with the Columbine. Yeah. I had started before well, good thing. that issue. Okay, good. And then as soon as like I heard the news, I'm like, you know what? Let's delete this. This <laughs> yeah, is yeah. not something I can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was fun because, you know, it was so innocent because, like, that's what we knew. We were like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you could, like, walk around the school virtually? Yeah, and I mean, this was my, my first attempt to make a map in any type of game engine. And the build engine was just so simple. If silly, when, like, you pulled a texture too long, you get these really wide bricks that are, like, five miles wide, basically. Yeah. So, but it was my first attempt, and it's like, I know this space very well. It's an interesting school, because we had, like, sort of a, uh, an actual, like, um, symmetry to it that was really yeah. interesting. But yeah, once Columbine's like, nope, nope, delete, delete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, um, so, so there was one other thing that came to mind with that, but uh, you also mentioned uh, Mist as an interesting one. That was a what, what do you call it, a role playing puzzle game uh, that came out in '93. Great game, Mist yeah. is really an amazing awesome. game. It was a individual experience puzzle exploration game, um, but I played it with my brother, and that's one of the things that really reminds me of it because there was just a couple puzzles that I wasn't capable of solving like my ear wasn't tuned well enough for the to go to the spaceship age you have to actually play a piano and then input on a, on an actual slider the same frequency that the piano played and my ear just wasn't quite attuned to that well enough so my brother got us through that one hmm. interesting so uh did you you played that one sounds like yeah i, I played i can't remember what year miss came out but i remember just being like 90. totally lost in that for a while i never was able to finish it i got stumped on something yeah well back then you couldn't really just like now you just look up on the internet how to solve something and you can get through everything so i think they almost make things harder now but with the expectation that you can just go on and solve it um, yeah. but then it was you had to like go to comp usa and buy the solutions manual yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the way like, i have the I'm same lying. experience as you is like getting into computer networking through multiplayer games right mm-hmm. so like our house in college we drilled holes through the walls and wired it with cat5 cable so that we could play um marathon marathon for Mac. oh yeah right so we had like a 12 bedroom house that really, really you know, game. off campus and yeah and and like you know eight of the rooms were wired with ethernet so that we could play very cool um all right well Today's episode is sponsored by Manning Publishing. Hey, Craig, 
I hope you say yes to this. Do you ever feel the need to learn about a new technology or framework? Is that something that's important to your career? Absolutely, Max. <laughs> okay, well, everyone can go to manning.com for books on all sorts of topics related to software development, engineering, computer science, and machine learning. Just remember to use the promo code podlocalmax19 at manning.com to get 40% off all items. As my co-host Aaron says, it's like printing money. Particularly... <laughs> Check out the subject of episode 87 of this podcast on deep learning with structured data at manning.com. Deep learning with structured data will teach you to apply powerful deep learning analysis techniques to structured data found in relational databases that real-world businesses depend on. Dennis, do you know we have a library here at Foursquare? I do. I sit right next to it. Yeah. You ever go in there and check out the books? I do. Well, I, I don't know if you know this, but if you ever check out the books, we have Manning books in there too. So if it works for Foursquare employees, it'll work for you, the listener. Manning.com, promo code podlocalmax19. Learn computer science, learn technical frameworks, make your job skills more marketable. Now back to the show. Uh, you, you said you did 87, podcast number 87. What number is this? This is episode 95. Holy cow, man. Yeah. That's amazing. Nice work. I, I just do it every week. It's, I mean, yeah, sometimes, uh, sometimes it's, sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes I'm up pretty late Sunday night. That's but. great. That's, a, that's amazing. All right. Yeah. Carry on. All right. Uh, so Dennis, I definitely want to return to you. I, I Googled, I Googled you, uh, back in 2013, <laughs> the wall street journal posted an article with the headline, want success in tech, treat life like a video game. You're quoted as saying the Zelda games were a big influence on how I saw the city. Would you care to expand on that? What is it about that game that made it really special? Yeah, you know, as um, you know, in my role at Foursquare, now that we've been doing this eleven years, we still have an orientation for uh, for new employees. And one of the last slides I show them, I show the employees, is a screenshot of Link, the main character in Zelda, picking up the boomerang uh, from a dungeon in a you know a game, and for the I think it's like the Nintendo DS version of Zelda, whatever it is. And I show that as like. You know, hey, we've all played video games and we all have this moment of, you know, kind of relief and joy and satisfaction of, of finding a magical item. And, you know, we know that because we've played games before. But how do you make people have that same type of, like, awesome, satisfactory, like, moment of achievement by meeting up with a friend serendipitously or, you know, having a, a, a piece of software recommend a new ice cream place for you or a new dessert to try or a new restaurant to go to for date night. Like, can you bring that joy that you get from games into the real world? And that was a, that was a big part of, you know, early Foursquare exploration. Yeah, there's something about, are you talking about particularly the Zelda on uh, was S or NES? I think every yeah. Zelda has a boomerang. Every Zelda and has a boomerang, right? I, I think, right? That's a good yeah, trivia every question. Every Zelda should have a boomerang. Or, or, yeah, boomerang. If it doesn't have a boomerang, it does, it's not really Zelda. That's, that's actually a good litmus test. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like a, you know, and anyone that's played a Zelda game has had right. the experience of finding the boomerang because you usually get it pretty early into the game. Wait, do and, you uh, – I've been playing Call of the Wild for a little bit, and I have still not found – is it Call of the Wild? Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. Maybe, maybe <laughs> playing, the, <laughs> playing the wrong game. I'm not a huge – Max hasn't been playing a Zelda game, apparently. He's playing, like, the bootleg version. I haven't found the boomerang yet, so maybe – Someone could tell me where it is, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, sorry, go Did ahead. Did you get through uh, Breath of the Wild? I don't own a, a newer Nintendo don't. system, so I, I'm uh, woefully uh, unprepared for playing I got like games. 12 <laughs> hours in before we had a baby, and then I hadn't played it since, but oh. I didn't get the boomerang either, so you might be miles away from it. Wow. Anyway, carry on. Okay. No, sorry. no, I was just wondering. <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember this, Craig. Uh, when we were in high school, I made a video, and it was a cut of one of our friends in the woods with a, with like, you know, I had a fake sword, and I 
intercut it with um, with scenes from the NES Zelda and had the music going the in music, the background. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I should. I wish I had brought that in. I it was. I might have to go dig in my archive and yeah. find it. But you go I, home for Thanksgiving. Go digging. Yeah. No, I I think I actually have it uh, in my apartment. But it is pretty so, dangerous to go alone in Eastern or Western. Yeah. yeah, that is true. It's in the woods. Uh, <laughs> No, but it would, there would be like these little bridges, and, and it would look like the bridge in Zelda. But that was a great anyway. Zelda reference, by so, the way. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, so um, what do you think, Dennis? Is what's your favorite gaming element, or maybe we can say like most effective or memorable gaming element that you've included in one of your app designs? Um, you know, the 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 story of early Foursquare, by the way, is yeah. that there was. It, different things that we found interesting about game design, like one-player games, two-player games against friends, and two-player games against strangers. And so we designed specific elements to to kind of scratch that itch of, of, of all users, right? But I was always most fond of achievements, unlockable achievements. Like, hey, there's 30 things you need to unlock. You know, you were just mentioning how you had gone, you know, you, you had upgraded one of your systems to get the... Um, you know, to get the version of the game that had the most unlockables in it. But that's what we did with the original badges. Like these are, you know, 16 unlockable badges and you have to do something mysterious to go and unlock them. And if you unlock them all, you are the winner and you might get stuck on one and it's okay to ask the community for help. Like th- that stuff I think is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. People used to set up, you know, websites. I don't even think we did this. We encouraged this at all or you didn't encourage this at all. People set up websites and stuff about how to get all the badges and um, I'd be like, that's not right because I'm looking right here at the code and that's not what it said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe they are doing it slightly wrong, but it... Well, they were trying the end, to guess. Right you know, guess, yeah. Guess, yeah. But yeah, um, those metagames really keep people coming back to things. I mean, even today, Four, Foursquare obviously has, or Swarm at least has a lot of that. Um, but like, even like if any gamers out there who play on PC a lot, Steam has mm-hmm. those metagames. You get the cards, you build your badge, and you yeah. show it off to your friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So what do you think? So, um, you know, a, a lot of people are worried, oh, is, is every, well, I know, like, when, at least when we were younger, maybe you, like, people are like, oh, these kids these days are spending all their time on video games and wasting their life. Now, uh, I think parents are worried about other things, maybe like YouTube and stuff like that. But uh, I, I, I do think that some of that time maybe was not well spent. What do you guys think about your time spent playing video games? Probably about 50-50 good <laughs> versus bad use of time. I mean, the problem-solving skills, there is definitely something to be said there for problem-solving and puzzle-solving and, like, hand-eye coordination type things that we all use today. But then there's a lot of time spent, like, well, let me just grind on this stupid boss for, like, an hour. Like, it's there's always that thing. And, I mean, back in the day, what, D&D was also, like, the <laughs> same scourge. So we always have this thing coming up whatever the newest, latest, and greatest is. You know what types of games I think really built skills for me were things like um, uh, Theme Park and SimCity. I had a lot more fun with Theme Park because, you again, you unlocked, like, different rides and stuff and different roller coasters. But it was like, okay, you actually had to, like, run the business and you actually had to, like, set prices. And if you set prices too high, nobody mm-hmm. wanted to come. Well, there's prices. people like you who actually tried to make the amusement <clears throat> park work and there's other people that, would, <laughs> you know, you destroy the end of the <laughs> ghoster while they're on. Yeah, it's true. Burn it to the ground. <laughs> Yeah, well, th- that theme park game for DOS, I, have any of you played that one? Not for DOS. I didn't play yeah. the old DOS one. I played the first, like, Windows release. And I, I played Coaster back in the day on yeah. DOS. Well, it's my, well, okay, I think the it Disney was, Coaster I think it was like a, 
I, th- I think it was like a British game or something. But anyway, it was like you, you built your theme park, but then every 20 minutes you like got, went to like the stock market of other theme parks and you got to like buy shares mm-hmm. in your competitors. And I really didn't understand what was going on, <laughs> but it was uh, on that screen. But uh, it was very compelling. Um, okay. Uh, oh, w- there was one that I forgot to mention before when we talked about Mist, which was uh, a Portal. I had that mm. on mine, mainly because that's kind of the last one I really got into. That would have been around maybe 2010, 2011. Yeah, it was um, in the late aughts or early yeah. Ten, teens, yeah. Yeah. Like so, re- recently. I mean, Mist is like 20 years old. Portal's oh, yeah. like 20 years after. Uh, 30 okay, years okay. old now, yeah, Dennis. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And, and Portal is <laughs> Portal is in the same age as like Foursquare, basically. Um, and I thought I was so intrigued by the physics of that uh, that game where it's like, okay, if you can open up a portal on the floor and open up a portal on the ceiling and when you fall through the floor, you fall through the ceiling, then you have this infinite gravity effect and you have like this perpetual motion machine. Obviously, that doesn't work in our world of physics, but it, it was – to me, it got me thinking about, okay – we can actually create worlds that are impossible in our world. And yeah, I thought well, that was really cool. The, the cool thing, I, I thought it actually like a lot more closely to physics because, I mean, it was, this was Havoc Engine that they built for that specifically. And in the Portal game, they had the whole two portals that you talked about, but I think they did model a um, an actual, whenever you hit the highest wind resistance, um, terminal velocity in there. But that was so much fun to like, okay, whenever I hit terminal velocity so I can make the flight across something. So it's like your brain has to think in all these new ways about the physics of things where you wouldn't be able to do that otherwise in, like, meat space. This virtual space mm-hmm. allows you to actually have that new connect- connections inside your brain. And yeah. So that's really cool. And, and then, then you had, like, uh, cooperative mode where it was actually – you could have, like, very positive interactions with people, uh, very constructive interactions with people rather than, you know, some games where it's like, you know, I'm going to – destroy you noob or something and then it turns out to be a 12 year old kid or something i kind of like this as well but (laughs) (laughs) all right uh so dennis i wanted to ask you about you know future developments at at foursquare how how are you thinking about gaming now i know we're working together to produce some new tech for foursquare what types of gaming elements are you you hoping that that you might like to include in a future project yeah, we were doing some experiments for a bit about like, you know, um, Foursquare understands where a lot of phones are, right? And we understand in, yeah. the, in the aggregate so we can do like interesting things with analytics and advertising. But like, could you turn the phones into game pieces, right? So it's like it's common to go into like a World of Warcraft or something and there's all these NPCs, like non-playing characters, which are just like, you know, AIs that are walking around bumping into each other. But like, what if um, what if every phone was an NPC until it turned into, you know, actual playing character. So we talked about this idea of, uh, you know, going to a so, coffee so shop. So an NPC is like someone where, someone like, who's being a real person. Yeah, they're a real person, but they're a game piece. A real person they're is being tracked. They're a piece tracked. in the game, but, okay. they're not, but they're not a player. Gotcha. Right? And so could you collect those people like cards or like Pokemon? And could they have special attributes? And like, if they did something in the real world, would that affect your player? Like there's, there's an, a good me- game mechanic here. So I'd hasn't be been trading on Craig. He doesn't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or you might get stats for not like, oh, you stopped near the the, uh, the bagel shop. So you, you get a plus one to HP. That yeah, or you walked use. five miles a day or you went to five boroughs. Like, I didn't do it. You did it. I don't even know who you are. But I because I hold your card, so to speak, you're, you're earning points for me. Um, so there's, there's something interesting there. We were never able to figure it out. Um, we, have, we haven't spent enough time yeah. on it yet. But do you think I people really are worried like, like, oh, man, like someone's going to be tracking me. I don't even know. 
I, I, I think there are some people like that, but the majority <laughs> of human beings are not like that. Okay. I, I, if we if we made something successful, I think people would 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 take a critical right. look at it. It's very important to play around. Yeah, uh, and then you know, well, this that's is why, why like games like Pokemon Go are not multiplayer because I think it raises yeah. a lot of issues. But what does it mean to know where other virtual characters, like virtual characters that might actually be real people, are in, in this world? Like, what, right. What can you do it's with interesting that? that a lot of the ones we've mentioned are single player, uh, Mist Portal. Zelda, all all single player games, um, but sometimes, as we mentioned with Portal, like sometimes you can have a very positive multiplayer interaction with that. Um, but I guess a, a lot of times in Foursquare, it was kind of more of an anonymous multiplayer interaction, right? Well, we had the one player game, which was yeah. badges. We right, had right. two player games that you would play against your friends, which was the leaderboard, whoever got the most points on a Saturday night. Yeah. And then you would, um, you know, have a multiplayer game that you played against strangers, which was the the mayor mechanic, like, oh, I'm the mayor of this place because I've been here more than anyone else. And you get free French fries. And sometimes you get, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, used to, I, I did get a few free appetizers on that. But so. the idea there was like. Like, you know, if you, um, you know, it didn't, it didn't matter if you were in a crowded city or not crowded city or had lots of friends or didn't, there was still going to be something for you to do. Right. And if you were in a crowded city and you had a lot of friends, there was lots for you to do. All right. Cool. So uh, anything that you would like to uh, experiment with in the future, particularly with, you know, our foray into more, um, I don't know, personal assistance and things like that? Yeah, I mean, like I'm super into the idea of games that overlap with the real world still. Yeah, uh, and so you know, you Max, you were, it still comes back to there's like a mushroom painted on the wall. Boom! I get some points yeah. for that on the floor. Awesome. There was one one day. This is yeah. a true story. Someone took um, you know painted like a, a street art. Uh, Mario mushroom on the ground on the Williamsburg Bridge, and I ran over the bridge, and I was thinking, "Hey, you should! You, I should get something for that. I should get ten right. coins or an extra <laughs> life or something." Yeah. And then started thinking, like, what? What would? It, what would? Uh, what kind of thing would you have to make that that could reward someone for doing that? Yeah. Uh, what I find interesting is, in pursuit of that, you produced all this other technology, but we're still. I feel like we we're still not quite at that perfect magic. Boom, I got the mushroom. I think, well, I think we're, we're getting there. You and yeah. I have built some amazing stuff where you could, you know, draw a circle on the ground with chalk and yeah. make like a notification play, audio or text message or something, the moment that you step on top of the circle. So, I mean, you, with that simple, that's not a simple piece of technology. That's like a simple thing to understand, though. Step on this and something happens. You could build a whole game world on top of that. And I think that's what we have to figure out, like our little R&D team. Like, what is the thing that we want to make that really illustrates what a lot of the technology could do? And I find this really interesting because it used to be like video games would push forward technology from a like hardware power yeah. standpoint. And now we're pushing forward technology from a how do we think about making new algorithms and new just features that can be using the existing like tech. The actual yeah. How do you think about base hardware? Multiplayer games in yeah. the real world. Like this is like, you know, Pokemon Go was so brilliant for a number of reasons. But like the, the thing that I think is most great about it is that it taught 100 million people around the world that you can have a character in a game world that when you take one step in the real world, your character takes one step in the virtual world. And if you walk one mile in the real world, your character walks one mile with you in the virtual world. And that's a really hard concept to explain to someone like in a in an academic paper or on a whiteboard. But you play Pokemon Go for five minutes and you get it. So now it's like, okay, you can say, hey, we're making something and it's like Pokemon Go except for XYZ. And people will ultimately understand that, um, 
you know, hey, there's a virtual world and one step in the real world equals one step in the virtual world. Very cool. Uh, yeah. And man, in the next few years, I'm really excited about the stuff we're building because I don't know exactly what some of these hardware companies are going to try to come out with. I know there's a lot of stuff going on in, in around audio and audio AR. I read articles about how Apple and all these companies are trying to come out with their smart glasses. Google did that many years ago. Who knows? But um, I, there's, there's going to have to be some flip, I think, in the next almost two, three years. Even five years is too much now to ask. I think, I think in two, three years, there's going to be some really interesting hardware. And um, yeah, we'll see how. Yeah, there might be a spectrum at which like, you totally lose yourself in virtual reality or augmented reality experiences, yeah. which is kind of like what you were saying at the very beginning of the podcast about there's a really hardcore, like, you know, lose yourself in it experience. And then there's like casual games and casual games could be games that you play while you have your AirPods in. Right, right. right. Um, yeah, and you can see, you know, thing you can like see things in the city. Maybe you could see, maybe it could be some kind of a, you know, Age of Empires thing where you see like little hit points on all the buildings or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> we talked about that. We relate to how many people maybe are in the building at the time, and so you can see if like you can. No, maybe wouldn't it be cool if I see points hit points above everybody's head? Or the XP and then I could virtually. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a little violent. No, but. yeah, is, I don't know if we're going the right way with this, Max. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, cool. Well. That's uh, that's sort of what I had for today. Um, le- any uh, any closing thoughts that you guys might have on this topic? Well, I do want to drop that I'm still an Ingress player instead of Pokemon Go. Just old school. Yeah, I'm yeah. an old school nerd. So on that in- one. Ingress was there f- was the same company, the first one that they produced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was. Explain to me how is that different from Pokemon so, Go? I mean, Pokemon Go, it's all Pokemon, right? You you attack Pokemon to capture yeah. them, and then you fight other Pokemon at the gyms. With with uh, Ingress, you're in this uh, fight for humanity survival between uh, a group of humans that believe that we need to prov- protect ourselves from being taken over by these aliens that are in- entering our world, versus the other group that want to, you know, be under the alien's thumb, basically. And I mean, I'm obviously putting my I'm personally a, a a resistance member, so I'm putting my own personal spin on that one. Craig Lorenzen <laughs> coming down against the alien invasion. Very bold, uh, very bold proclamation. And there. against the Pokemon. You don't like the Pokemon. Yeah, that's true. I, I played it for a little bit, but it wasn't my. You, wasn't did my you grow up playing the card game I and didn't, collecting? No, no. I was yeah. like, we were just slightly out of like the generation that really mm-hmm. did yeah. the Pokemon. Yeah. We had Pogs back in the day. That's what our like, uh, yeah. stupid on the bus. And everyone loses their slammers. Like, oh, gosh, where did the slammer go? Yeah, yeah. That was just the first time I experienced, like, schools trying to ban things. That's what I remember. But I was oh, never yeah. into it. I was never into it, but I was always, like, I was, like, against the ban. It's, like, mm. our right to have this thing that Fight I, don't re- the power of Max I don't really want. Machine. <laughs> 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 when, when I heard they were trying to ban it, and I'm, like, it's a little coin thing that breaks very easily. Okay. Um, great. But yeah, actual final thoughts. Like, I'm just so I'm I'm just so excited by where gaming is going these days. Augmented reality and like all the games that come around with AR, it's just something that's always exciting and interesting to me. And I'm just, I hope that as things grow go forwards, we all like embrace what we can and then be careful about how we how how we might you know if we forget that we're inside an augmented reality and we walk into the street, we might want to figure out how we don't <laughs> yeah, don't do bad. that. So yeah, I'm just really excited. Many, um, I, t- I totally agree with everything you're saying there. M- many years ago, not many years, a couple of years ago, I got a demo of the Magic Leap stuff before it came out, and there was you know a character that they would project on the floor, and you could control the character with a controller, and you know it would you'd have to it would climb up 
like a real ta- a virtual character would climb up a real table before your eyes and run across the table. And it was just amazing. I remember leaving, having my mind blown, being like, someday my kids are going to grow up and this is going to be their version of video games. So they're just going to have something on and just see things run around. In the world. Yeah, m- maybe, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's unrealistic to imagine now because the glasses are so kind of like big and bulky. But like, what if they're just like your glasses or your glasses? And it's, yeah. not, a, it's not a pain to put It would be great on, right? I, because I wear glasses and now I don't have to change everybody else has to change yeah but when you think about like <laughs> like a lot of these games are meant to be like to lose yourself in like a casual game you lose yourself in it when you're on the subway to distract time you know like red dead redemption you lose yourself at night when you're sitting on the couch playing this thing um but like what are these games going to look like when they perfectly overlap where i can kind of play it in the background as i'm looking to you and and talking to you right as you're yeah you're riding your bike through the city as you're driving your car just doing like small little mini actions to participate that's like a whole new category of games and I think that's going to be, it's not here yet, but I think that's going to be super, super interesting in the future. I agree. Well, I wanted to get you guys together for a little panel, and uh, I am very happy with the results. I think we had a great discussion here today. Craig, Dennis, thank you so much for joining me on The Local Maximum today. Thanks for having us on the show. A pleasure to be a part of it. Good to meet you, Dennis. Thanks, Max, for having us on the show. All right. This is one of the things that I really like about The Local Maximum. We were talking about the nature of infinity last week. Uh, Before that, we were going through news stories and uh, we were talking about, you know, the online advertising industry. And now we're covering inspiration from video games. So the breadth of topics here is amazing. I know that you out there have very different experiences with gaming from me and from my panel. I thought that maybe one day getting a very diverse gaming panel to get the full range of viewpoints might be a good idea. But I realized, you know, that would be a lot of work to get together. And I'm just happy to get this conversation started with these fascinating people. I know that there's a rich pool of ideas from the gaming community that I could bring in here, uh, you know, from social issues to new technology to game mechanics to story building. If you have a point on any of these issues or have a question for me that I can answer on the show, email localmaxradio at gmail.com. I'm going to link to episode 79 with Timney West when we talked about virtual and augmented reality. Uh, That includes some gaming as well. And I'm also going to link to episode 12 with Marissa Chaco, who once worked at uh, the mobile gaming company Zynga. And that episode is titled Virtual Friends and Virtual Enemies, which I think extends our discussion here about designing apps to make people's lives better and not worse. I wanted to end with some more video games that I've played that have made an impression. I I mentioned Theme Park before. I'll link to that. It's probably a forgotten game. Many of you know the later game that it turned into. I think it's a different company, but kind of doing something along the same lines, and that's Roller Coaster Tycoon. Uh, these ga- <laughs> there was actually a, a South Park episode that was uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon, uh, Cartman Land. Yeah, I that that episode for some reason made me think of Roller Coaster Tycoon. Like the, they definitely played that. Anyway, these games are really a testament uh, to not just resource uh, to you know something like resource allocation, capital management. They teach you some of the skills that you need to build good products. So that's great. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about some of the shooters that I spent a lot of time on, like Halo. That was really big in college, but uh, a lot of fun. You know, Mario Kart racing along those same lines. I have a lot of fun with that. Uh, I've been into that since I got into the Switch, as well as Mario Odyssey, which I heard I do get some points for. I really was a completionist on that. I found all the moons, uh, which had a a very well-produced music and and world-building aspects to it. Like, each level had its own civilization and culture and and climate, so really, really immersive. Um, I also briefly mentioned 
Age of Empires. Actually, Age of Empires 2, the sequel to that, which was one of the most critically acclaimed real-time strategy games ever, uh, just came out with this remastered definitive edition. And this is years later now, but this is just a, a few weeks ago that, that this version came out. It's sort of like the 2019 version of that game with kind of the same gameplay, but upgraded graphics and, and abilities and stuff like that. So I'm definitely going to check it out. And I also played a lot of Rise of Nations, which rightfully so was also highly critically acclaimed in this in this uh, real-time strategy genre. A lot of Rise of Nations, also Empire Earth and Civilization. So uh, these games are interesting because, and Civilization, of course, was more um, turn-based. But uh, I think these games are interesting because they teach history. They teach you know world history. Um, oftentimes the campaigns in these games uh, kind of make you look back at events like the Hundred Years' War or the Mongolian in- invasion, let's say, and then you kind of say, well, I, hey, I want to learn more about these. I want to look this up uh, because this is very, this looks very interesting and I want to know what actually happened. And it sort of um, gives you a better understanding of history. It sort of sparks an interest in history, too. And I think that there are a lot of time managed. So, you know, for the for those of you who don't know, the the purpose of these games is you are like kind of the master of a civilization. You have to kind of at the beginning you're sort of foraging for berries, and then you sort of build up a town center. You have to sort of allocate villagers to, you know, whether it's farming or mining or um, you know or or military, and then you either have to defend or or attack. And there are certain ways you can win. Some of this, one, a lot of the, these games have this feature where the way you win is to build a wonder, which is like, you know, uh, one of the great, like if you're Egyptian, you could build a great pyramid and then that wins. I think in Rise Nations, you can have more modern wonders like the Statue of Liberty, which uh, I'm staring at right now because it's right out my window. Uh, that was actually always fun when I was playing that game. And then I'm like, I'm going to build the Statue of Liberty and I'm going to point at the real one. Uh, but but anyway, um, I think these games are also good for time management and resource management skills, um, as well as they're, they're also tactical games. You have to find a way to kind of poke at your opponent and make sure you don't poke at yours. I think one of the uh, – I've had very good uh, experiences in, in these games with sort of being on the same team as a human, playing against the computer and sort of working out the teamwork um, that that really was a very good experience. The richness of these kind of make them more lifelike. So, all right, next week, I'm going to do a quick news update along with a brief discussion that Aaron and I had about these, quote, new science discovery articles and how to interpret them, followed by all new episodes on computer science and also Bayesian logic. So I hope you're looking forward to these as much as I am. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. And have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. The show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power.